Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Whoops, that starts forward, 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 forward. Hello and welcome. This is Strides Forward, where you'll hear stories about women who run long distances, told one woman at a time. The runners we feature are from all over the world, and their ability levels and experience vary widely. I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer. If you're a return listener, first up, thank you. And also, you already know that this first season is focused on stories that have a strong connection to the Comrades Marathon. If you're new to the podcast, I'm excited you're here. And what you need to know about Comrades is that it's a 90-kilometer or 56-mile running race that takes place each year in South Africa. You may notice that it's called the Comrades Marathon, but it's not a marathon in the conventional sense of that word. Traditionally, marathons are 26.2 miles or 42.2 kilometers. So Comrades is actually an ultramarathon, and it's the largest and oldest ultramarathon in the world. In 2021, Comrades turns 100 years old, and over 27,000 runners were entered in the 2020 event. And this is our final episode of this season focusing on Comrades. To cap things off, I'm particularly honored to feature a woman who's been a trailblazer, both as an ultra runner in the very earliest days of the sport for women and for her leadership in sports management, especially at Comrades. My name is Cheryl Wynn, and I'm the chairperson of the Comrades Marathon Association, which is one of the biggest sporting events, most iconic sporting events in South Africa. As if those accolades weren't enough, Cheryl Wynn holds the distinction of being the only Comrades chairperson who has also won the race. Cheryl's raced Comrades six times, and she won in 1982. She was also one of the very first women to break seven hours, 30 minutes. And we're going to get to all of that, as well as the fact that Cheryl's been involved in sports management for about 40 years, and she spent almost half of that time working on Comrades in some capacity. But to really appreciate why all of this is so significant, we need to understand what things were like when Cheryl first started her relationship with running. We're going back to the mid-1970s. South Africa was still firmly in the midst of apartheid, and Comrades had just celebrated its 50-year anniversary. The U.S. was in its final years of the Vietnam War, and disco was all the rage. The jogging craze was just about to get into full swing, and long-distance events had just started opening up to female runners for the very first time. And Cheryl Wynn was in the midst of a transition that would redefine her life. I came out to South Africa. I was pregnant when I arrived. I had two babies in rapid succession. 
And then I got hepatitis. And in fact, I, when I first came to South Africa, I got just about everything because I obviously didn't have, you know, the immune system that um, South Africans grow up with. And at the age of 24, I was bedridden literally for weeks. Cheryl is American. She grew up mostly in Pennsylvania. Her husband, however, was South African. The two had met and married when he was studying in the U.S., and the couple had decided to move to his home country for a year or two, which became three or four, four or five, and on to today. Cheryl has lived in South Africa ever since. But these were early days, and here was Cheryl, a young mom with two small children, in a country where things were very different from what she'd grown up with, and she could barely function. Even on the days when she could get out of bed, she'd still regularly take a couple of naps just to get through. But she also had some excellent support. I had a wonderful general practitioner who also had a tremendous interest in running. And um, he actually started me off on a sort of getting back to fitness program of first walking around the block and then walking around two blocks and then jogging around the block, etc., etc. Cheryl had run a bit back when she was in college in New Jersey, but her motivations then were a little bit different. The sorority houses were on one side of the, the lake and, on the, and the fraternity houses were on the other side of the lake. And so a lot of us used to actually jog around. <laughs> yes, we used to ra- jog around the um, lake. And I think really at that point in time, it was just, you know, a little bit of just fun and an excuse to run past the fraternity houses, which actually sounds ridiculous and pathetic to me in, in retrospect. But, you know, I'm being perfectly honest here, and that's what we did at the time. But now in South Africa, Cheryl's running took on a very different significance. It just grabbed me and I loved it. I got involved in then um, my club committee and organizing races. And just one thing just led to another and, you know, just became a complete way of life. I mean, as you know, anyone who's a runner, that's, you know, it does. Running changes your life. It becomes part of your life. It becomes, you know one of your reasons for getting up in the morning. And that was very much how it was for me. And around that very same time that Cheryl started doing those walks, then jogs around the block, right when running started to grab her, the Comrades Marathon made a surprising and historic decision that would have a huge impact on her future. Comrades took the decision in 1975, which was way long, 20 years before, you know, non-racialism was really accepted in South Africa. Comrades took the decision in 1975 that men and women of all races could participate. And so it's been this big unifier, and it's actually been able to show people how how people can, you know, work together and support one another. And, you know, long before anyone else thought that normal sport was possible. Before 1975, Comrades was open only to white men. Again, this was during apartheid. And a major consequence of this racist structure was that South African athletes were banned from international competition by the rest of the world. No Olympics, no world championships, nothing. So big events within the country, like Comrades, were particularly important. 
For women specifically, being banned from racing long distances was common. The Boston and New York marathons had only just opened up to women in 1972. And it wasn't until 1984 that the Olympics had a women's marathon. By comparison, the first men's Olympic marathon was in 1894. For Cheryl, comrades opening up to women gave her a big goal to aim for as she began finding her place in the running scene. Almost from the beginning when I started running, as I say, I mean, I'm not saying that I was this great (laughs) world-class runner by today's standards, but at that particular time, I used to go out and run, you know, sort of local races, and I and I would win most of them. If I went out to run a race, I would invariably win or come second. I mean, so I was noticed. And being at the front of the field was something Cheryl found she enjoyed quite a bit. If you suddenly discover that late in life, when I hadn't been good at any sport ever in my life, and you suddenly discover something that you're you're good at, I mean, and obviously it just grabs you, and that's what happened with me. Of course, winning never comes easily. And through her pursuit of racing, Cheryl found where her greatest strengths were. I think what I had was more determination and, you know, I had what it took in my head more than anything else. And I just I just took to it and I loved it. As Cheryl took to running, she immediately became aware that the greatest driving force in her running community was the Comrades Marathon. It totally dominated the running scene. It's the reason why groups of people got together to train. In fact, the entire road running calendar was built around building up towards the Comrades Marathon. It's just the way Comrades Marathon is. It's such an important component of the psyche of South Africa. In South Africa, if, if you say you're a runner, people will ask you, what's your Comrades' best time? Cheryl's running progressed, and within the short time of only a few years, she'd gone from walks around the block to training for comrades. You know, whereas elsewhere in the world, the ultimate is to be a marathon runner. In South Africa, we run, you know, marathons every weekend in training for comrades. So it was just a natural progression. Once I got involved in running, it was, it was where it was ultimately going to end up. Cheryl was motivated to put in the training. She'd fallen in love with the sport and with competition. And she got a lot of support from her local running community, which just so happened to include some of the very best comrades competitors there were. Okay, so Bruce Fordyce is, you know, he, he won the comrades marathon nine times. He once set a world record for 100 kilometers and um, he was a part of the group that I ran in. And we, you know, every single Tuesday a Tuesday evening, we'd run a time trial. And afterwards, we'd all go out for a pasta supper. And every single Sunday, most of the runners would. We'd, we'd, some people would run in different directions, but most of the runners would congregate at my house. So obviously, I mean, he was a tremendous inspiration. And, um, I, you know, there were, yeah, there were just so many people. I, had, I just got so much encouragement. There was a lot of encouragement, as well as insider knowledge, passed down from seasoned veterans. You always had these people that had who had run several comrades before, and they would have all sorts of little secrets that they would, you know, sort of pass on. You know, in retrospect, so so unscientific, but you know, it was um, it was a camaraderie. It was being part of something, and you know, everyone working so hard together towards the same goal. 
Working hard together meant weeks and weeks of group training runs. And, as Cheryl says, she was welcomed as one of the guys. Because there weren't many competitive female ultra runners around in those days. In fact, Cheryl doesn't remember ever training with any other women. So not much differentiated her training program and the one that the guys followed. Well, it was so different from what it is now. I mean, I think just about everyone ran according to the same formula, which was basically you did one time trial a week and you did long, slow distance. That was more or less what everyone did in those days. The men did tend to run a bit faster. So Cheryl alternated the group runs with days of training on her own. And she also had to work her training around being a mother of two young children and her job. To fit in her workouts, sometimes she got creative. We had a track, um, Wondrous Athletic Track, which um, I used to go there with my kids, and they used to have suitcases full of, sh- of toys, and they would sit in the stands and play in the stands while I, some days I just had to run around the track, around and around and around, because I didn't have anyone else to look after the children, and at least I could see them and keep an eye on them. And as much as Cheryl valued the wisdom of the seasoned comrades runners around her, there were some insider tips that she did without. There were these really weird potions that they used to drink. There was a thing they used to call it Corpse Reviver. And I can't remember what was in it. It was like a mixture of salt and sugar and... I don't know, lemonade and who knows what, but certain people would absolutely swear that, you know, when you got to a certain point in the race, you had to have this so-called corpse reviver. Um, I suppose it probably had a lot of electrolytes in it and some, some energy. I don't know. You know, I never tried it. Something Cheryl did do without hesitation, however, was committing herself to tackling comrades. She prepared herself for the grueling 56 miles of this hot and relentlessly hilly course. She had that great support from her club, and she was enthusiastic because she was really good. But the fact remained that this is a huge and very difficult goal, and Cheryl had a great appreciation for what that meant. There's something about committing yourself to something that's as big as the Comrades Marathon that does sort of change your perception of yourself. I mean, it changes what you believe about yourself and it changes your, I don't know, your entire set of values and the way you want to live your life. And yeah, it's it certainly changed mine. And of course it changed the direction because I became ultimately more and more involved in athletics administration later on. So, you know, basically, you know, it's been my life. Cheryl ran her first Comrades Marathon in 1978 in a very respectable time of nine hours, 19 minutes. But that paled in comparison to the speed she'd develop over the next few years. So while female long-distance runners all over the rest of the world were rejoicing in being able to push their ultimate distance limit to the 26.2 miles of the marathon, South African female distance runners, along with the few foreign runners who would join them, were aiming to go over twice that distance and over the grueling hills of the Comrades' course. 
Isolated as they were from competing in the rest of the world, and heavily influenced by the massive pull of comrades, South African runners were pushing the boundaries of pain and endurance, and Cheryl Wynn was becoming one of the best among them. When she ran her second comrades in 1980, Cheryl was in contention for the win. She would end up second that year, and with that, be the second woman to break the seven-hour, 30-minute barrier. The first woman to break that barrier was Isabel Roche Kelly, who'd done that just four minutes ahead of Cheryl. Cheryl would come in second to Isabel the next year as well, but then going into the 1982 comrades, Cheryl had a slightly different mindset. Do you know, my feelings going into that day were that I was so absolutely confident that I was going to win that day. And that feeling did not waver on the start line. On the day when I got on the starting line, I knew that I was going to be the, the first woman to cross the finish line. I knew it without any doubt. Nor did it waver during the race. I led from the start and I never saw another woman all day until after, you know, well after the finish. Cheryl won the 1982 Comrades Marathon in an amazing time of 7 hours, 4 minutes, 59 seconds, with a lot of daylight between her and second place. But that still didn't mean that nobody was racing her to the line. It was funny in those days. I mean, guys couldn't bear to be beaten by women. We always finished Comrades Marathon inside a stadium. I don't know, it's just a, a tradition that they've had from from the beginning. And on that last track, I mean, the guys would sprint. They would absolutely kill themselves not to be beaten by a woman. Of course, wherever the men around Cheryl came in had no bearing on the fact that she was the first woman. The winner of one of the most prestigious sports events in a country that has a deep love of sport. Obviously, all of a sudden, like, you know, you sort of got this fame. And I mean, I've, I've always been... Uh, well, certainly then, I was a very shy person. I really didn't like the attention. I loved I loved winning. I loved being handed the trophy, but then I didn't like having to be interviewed or, or having to do, you know, have photographs taken and stuff like that. But eventually, you know, you so, do sort of get used to it. And, you know, it is nice. It's nice to be supported and it's nice to be admired and respected for what you do. It's, it's a wonderful feeling of, of achievement. This sudden fame may have taken a bit of getting used to, but it would go on to serve Cheryl as she moved into other high-profile positions within the sport. I'd been going to the same gym for five years, and when I went one comrades, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, everybody knew who I was. You know, comrades are such a big thing in South Africa. It's, it's like winning the Super Bowl. You know, immediately you become... Not as much to the same degree then as now, but you immediately become a household man. Cheryl would go on to compete at an elite level for a few more years, but her involvement in the running world was just getting started. I was always involved in athletics administration. Um, I previously lived in, in Johannesburg and I was involved there with my club and you know organized club races and things like that. And then I moved to um, KwaZulu-Natal, Peter Maritzburg, Durban area. I moved there in, I moved down in about 1994. 
1984, sorry, 1984. And so I've been involved with Comrades one way or another since 1984 in, you know, various voluntary capacities at some stage, at stage, you know, at one stage I was employed. I mean, I was, I was the media liaison for many, many years and um, communications, and I was the acting CEO for a few years. Now, uh, you know, I've been on the board now for probably going on about eight years now. Yeah, I've been on the board and chairperson for the last, this is the third year. Cheryl's love of running extends far beyond her own abilities in the sport. She has a deep understanding and appreciation for the totality of what running and specifically what comrades means to people. I've got so much out of the sport, and, and that early part of this, my involvement with the sport came from my um, satisfaction in, in, achieve, in my own achievements. But then I gradually drifted more and more into administration and race organization. And over a period of time, it, it just shifted. I got just as much satisfaction, if not even more satisfaction, and especially during the years when South Africa was isolated. And we had such incredible, talented athletes here in South Africa that were you know, denied the opportunity to participate against the rest of the world. And I got so much satisfaction out of just as much satisfaction, if not more, out of their achievements and being a- able to enable their achievements. So, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a hunger in me, and I still love it. And it's that love that keeps Cheryl passionate about being in a leadership position for such a gargantuan event. An event that started before the roads were paved and with fewer than 100 runners and has grown into a national treasure that requires an enormous amount of finesse to pull off each year. We have a board consisting of nine people that are obviously you know, responsible for you know, basically the strategic direction of the race, just, you know, for sustaining this, you know, because it, it, you know, really is regarded as a national institution in South Africa. So uh, that that is chiefly our our main responsibility. And then we have 18 full-time employees, and literally they work year-round on this one event, and it's arranging a race. (laughs) It's it's arranging a really, really, really big race. There's You know, it's dealing with sponsors, dealing with the media, dealing with all the various stakeholders, the the cities, the politicians to a large degree. It's, It's just balancing it all. That's really what it's about. It's about balancing it. It's about balancing because Comrades Leadership must navigate every single relationship that the event has an impact on. And there are many. So, but... I mean, here in South Africa, to close street, close an entire 90-kilometer stretch of road for, you know, a period of 13 hours is a massive undertaking. And so many forces at work. You know, there are so many people that, you know, sort of have to close their businesses for the day. And others, you know, we have, you know, very active and political taxi associations and we're disrupting their the work that they, you know, their livelihood on the day. And... You know, there's so much politics behind the whole thing. So we're constantly, constantly engaging with all of the communities that we affect and um, 
constantly trying ways to to develop po- positive relationships with them. And, and, you know, we have been very lucky to be able to do so. Putting comrades together each and every year is a daunting task. It never ends. And there may well be a bit of luck involved in being able to pull it off, especially as it grows in size and complexity. But it also comes back to the fact that this race holds such a special place in people's hearts. And every single time it happens, thousands of lives change. Here in South Africa, we we have this sort of saying that, you know, every South African should experience the Comrades Marathon once, at least once in their lifetimes. And because it is, there's something about making a commitment to something that is so big and so demanding, and it takes so much sacrifice and blood, sweat, and tears, and then actually getting to the end, to that finish line, and realizing that you could actually do this. But you come away from that race, and you actually know that you can pretty much do anything that you set your mind to. And I think that's, you know, really the lesson of Comrades Marathon. It's it's just one of of, of exactly how much the human body can do if the mind commits itself. Of course, this year, 2020, put up challenges that even the magic of comrades couldn't completely override. So Cheryl and the board got creative to keep the spirit of the race alive. On the day that we should have staged the 2020 Comrades Marathon, we had a virtual race and we decided to put it together, I think, with three weeks' notice and no idea really of what a virtual race was and how it was going to run. And we sort of made it up as we went along and we ended up we were with, with 67,000 participants, which was absolutely magnificent. The shakeup of 2020 has Cheryl and the rest of the board thinking creatively about what the future might look like for comrades always keeping in mind that this is an event that ultimately belongs to the people of South Africa. And one beloved aspect of this race is the way it's retained an authenticity to its beginnings almost a hundred years ago. It was founded, you know, in, in, in memory of, you know, the, the soldiers who fought in the First World War. And it was founded by a soldier who had been seriously injured and sent home. And he, he waged this relentless campaign to, um, you know, be able to stage this race over this absolutely ridiculous distance of 90 kilometers between these two cities on, at the time it was completely dirt roads. There were a few streams that had to be crossed. There were gates that had to be opened. His whole idea was he wanted it to be equally as grueling as the experiences that the people had had in the war. Of course, the tragedies and horror of war will never be equaled in a running event. But Comrades has always been a formidable and humbling challenge. It's tough in every conceivable way. It's, you know, it, it, it's, although it's run in the coolest time of the year in, in South Africa, it's still, you know, the temperatures can go up to 40 degrees. So 30, well, 39.6 was the hottest um, we've had in recent years. So you've got the heat, you've got this ridiculous distance of 90 kilometers. And of course, those 90 kilometers, or 56 miles, travel over unforgiving terrain. 
you know, if you could see the hills between here and, you know, people talk about Heartbreak Hill in Boston. I mean, I've run Boston Marathon. Heartbreak Hill is a pimple <laughs> by comparison to, to, to the hills we have in Comrades. And there are so many of them. And, and even though, you know, what we call, we have an up run and a, and a down run, and they run in alternate years. And even the amount of climbing that you do in our so-called down run is, is absurd. And all of that absurdity, that intentional difficulty, has a point. Shared suffering creates bonds and develops respect between the people who go through it, whatever their stance in life. You have to experience it to see that you will have captains of industry, you'll have doctors and lawyers and millionaires and industrialists and taxi drivers and unemployed persons and gardeners all running together and supporting one another and interacting in a way that just never, ever, ever happens in South Africa. Because when you're side by side tackling comrades, it doesn't matter what your day job is or what minute differences there are between genetic codes or where you grew up or how much education you have. What matters is that you've made it to this place at this time doing this very hard thing. You help one another. I mean, and and that's exactly what you do. And you realize, you know, this man next to me is suffering just like I am. And, And it's such a weird thing that you don't come across in your everyday life. And that's what I think is just so beautiful about what Comrades does. And it's, and it's an example to, to people. And, that, and that's why it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's so popular in this country. It's, 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 it's an example of what everyone believes, in, you know, it's, it should be. Comrades is not going to solve the entrenched problems of division and discrimination. But it does contribute to unique moments that may help us get a little further down that path. But I certainly know what people talk about. The thing about South Africa is there are these, you know, I mean, you know, there are extremes in every world, in, in, in every country in terms of haves and have-nots. But in South Africa, it's that much greater, and it tends to be along racial lines. And it's changing. It's evolving. I mean, we've been, it's, you know, we've been now 25 years into, you know, so-called democracy. But um, the legacy of apartheid is still very much there. But it's, it truly, truly is the most unifying, most amazing event on the day. And, and, and you have to experience it. The difficulty of Comrades is one reason for it being such a uniquely unifying event. But the other factor that makes it so unique is that it encourages and welcomes all South Africans to participate. And that is done with purpose. The board works to make comrades as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. Heading up these efforts has given Cheryl the opportunity to regularly work across all of the many barriers that divide South Africa. From an administrative point of view, I've been able to to meet, you know, people that I would never normally meet in my own sphere of life because you know, regardless of the fact that, you know, there is no more apartheid or what, there's still wealthy suburbs and there are incredibly impoverished suburbs. And, I mean, not suburbs, we don't even call them suburbs. We call them 
rural areas, um, townships, you know, shanty towns, things like that. And I've been privileged to be able to to meet people across such a wide spectrum and 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 get to know them. I've got to meet people, you know, in, in, in the board and in the, you know, the, the, the races I've organized. I've just got to meet people across a more far more diverse spectrum and have and, and, and form meaningful relationships that I think have enriched my own life and my own perspective immeasurably and I I feel that there's so many people that don't have that opportunity you know people sort of tend to stay in their lanes and they mix with people of their own like I don't have the feeling of it's us and them because I've been a I've been so privileged to be able to work with people across all spectrums and and get to know them personally and and that's you know to me that is the solution to all the racial strife that we have in our country and in your country and around the world is is for people to just get to know one another and experience things together and it just it breaks down barriers by doing things together Cheryl has spent her entire adult life dedicated to this sport that on its face is the primal simple motion of putting one foot in front of the other and yet it's transformative in a way that makes it so much more. And the passion she discovered way back when she started remains as strong as ever. I just have an absolute love for the sport of running. I mean, it's just something so beautiful to watch and be part of. And the rest of us, women especially, will forever benefit from the path Cheryl Wynn helped to forge and the work that she continues to do. I was lucky to be in the right place at the right time. I was, you know, what we more what you would call a trailblazer. You know, um, I won in a time that you know now now you know you know sort of here we are, thirty years forty years later is it now nearly forty? It's thirty some years later, and people are winning in times that are an hour faster than I won. But I mean that doesn't worry me. I that was my time. Nobody will ever be able to take it away from me. I can say that I was a winner of the Comrades Marathon. It's not something I do generally. I don't normally mention it. You know, people will ask me generally, do you, have you ever run the Comrades? And I say yes. And this brings us to the end of Cheryl Wynn's story on Strides Forward. I'm incredibly thankful to Cheryl for taking the time to share her experiences. I caught up with her at a particularly chaotic time, and we navigated some technical issues, as one does, when trying to make connections over multiple time zones and across continents. But Cheryl graciously and diligently stuck with me, and I am so incredibly pleased to be able to tell her story, both because of her work within Comrades and because of her grit and passion and trailblazing efforts as a runner. Her story felt like the perfect one to end this series. I'll be back soon with announcements about our next season, and I'll be making some standalone episodes in the meantime. As always, every Strides Forward episode will feature the story of one female ultra runner. A great way to make sure that you never miss an episode is to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, or you can always find all our episodes on our website, stridesforwardpodcast.com. 
There, you will also find full transcripts of all the shows, as well as show notes, complete with all the pertinent links. Also know that I'm active on Instagram and Twitter, at Strides Forward, and you're always welcome to contact me through the website. Thank you to the Strides Forward team, whose voices you experience in other ways with this podcast. There's Cormac O'Regan, who makes all of the music that you hear and does the sound design. And there's April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative. She keeps the podcast branding and website looking amazing. You can find April at bonfirecollaborative.com. Of course, thank you, the listener. I really appreciate you tuning in, and I appreciate all the feedback and comments. I love these stories, and I'm always excited to know that other people are interested in them, too. Until next time, this is Cherie wishing you satisfying strides forward. Whoops, that strides forward, 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 forward. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 